Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Kirsten Screen. She is a registered dietitian and owner of Your Fitness Dietitian, who started her nutrition journey as a young track athlete, getting her early inspiration from fellow dietitian Nancy Clark, and now coming full circle with having her own private practice where she is focusing on helping her clients navigate their own nutrition journeys. Please enjoy my conversation with Kirsten. Very excited to chat with you today. I have been kind of gawking you, gawking at you from afar on Instagram. I love. Oh, now I'm worried. What did you see? No, no. <laughs> I just love. I love your posts, and I love kind of your messaging. And I and I wanted to get to know you more. So oh, thank you. I'm excited yeah. to chat with you today. Well, good. Well, why? How about we start with? Let's go back to um, kind of when you got interested in health and wellness and nutrition. And I know you have a lot of interest as far as health and nutrition. I was kind of looking at your website too and the classes that you offer. So awesome. maybe take me back to when you got interested in this field. And you know, it's so funny that you say that because the timing of this is so perfect. I belong to the Nutrition Entrepreneur um, DPG through the Academy. Um, mm-hmm. And I was sitting in on a Zoom call yesterday I don't know if you watched my stories yesterday on Instagram, but I actually took a photo of it and I was absolutely geeking out because I was in a Zoom call with Nancy Clark. And, you know, I've seen Nancy in conferences. I'm sure we've all, everybody kind of knows yeah. who she is, even if sports nutrition isn't your thing. But the reason this was such a like, wow moment for me, I, I literally during the call took a picture and I sent it, I texted it to my husband who's downstairs at the time. And he's like, what are you doing? Focus on your call. I'm like, I can't, like I'm, I'm fangirling out over this. So when I was, I don't know, 16 and a half, 17 years old, I had a track coach. I promise I'm getting around to your question. I had a track coach who fancied himself, you know, knowledgeable in nutrition and he wasn't. And long story short, we all got injured. And I said, this can't be how it works. There has to be something that we are not looking at. And I went to the library. This is old school because I'm old. Um, There was no Google. I went to the library and the first book I picked up was Nancy Clark's Sports Nutrition. And it was literally the the starting point of me going, wait, this is a thing. Like there's a field where people study this and we know about this and we know how it works when this goes in and then this happens. And it just set off this whole thing in my brain that took me from a route that I had been on since I was probably five or six years old, which was, I was going to be a doctor. I was going to be a doctor. I was going to be a doctor. And then I saw this whole other side of, wait, we can influence how the body works by what we feed it, which we all do anyway. And it was like mind blown and it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, so it's funny that you asked me that question today because I literally yesterday had this, this fangirl moment of I've come full circle. Here I am, you know, 20 some years later, um, sitting in a Zoom call with Nancy Clark in the middle of a pandemic um, talking about nutrition. It was, it was bizarre. <laughs> So she could, well, yeah, it would be because if that was like the first book you picked up. Very first book. Yeah. When you were in, you know, thought about nutrition and sports and performance. And then there she is. She is like the guru. She is. She is. And I was like, I'm I'm live with Nancy Clark. I don't even know what to say. I kind of feel like, you know, like, what do I do? Can I have your autograph? I don't know. (laughs) It comes full circle, right? You know, it really was. It really was. It was full circle. And then when I typed out that this was 20 years ago, then I said, wait, no, this is sad. I don't need to be typing that out. Now I've made myself really old. (laughs) 
<laughs> You're not old. I'm the same age as you. And I went to the library too. Google did not exist. You know, when my children, when they're like, why didn't you just type it in? Why didn't you just search for it? Yeah, no, you, I searched for it in a card catalog. That's what yeah. I Oh my gosh. Isn't it amazing how many people have no idea what a card catalog is? None, none. The Dewey <laughs> Decimal System. I'm just glad my children even know what that is, you know? <laughs> that's, that's a proud mom moment. <laughs> So you kind of had that connection with just being an athlete yourself and people yes. were injured. And so when you kind of went on that adventure of research, what did you kind of figure out for yourself and how did that lead you to your career? Yeah. So what I figured out was that um, the main thing, the reason we all got injured is he had us exclude a whole lot of things. Um, and he also told all of his female athletes that the best way for us to get faster and stronger was to lose weight. <laughs> and, we, you know, and I'm sure he meant well, I'm sure it came from a place of, you know, let, let's help the team, but it didn't help the team, obviously, as we know, as professionals, that's not how this works. Um, but he just kept asking for more performance with less nutrients and that just obviously doesn't work um so what i found out through that whole process was wait a minute the less i eat the less my body can do what i'm asking it to do that doesn't sound right so i need to eat more and i need to eat the right things to have the right goals based on whatever the athletic endeavor was right and my goal with athleticism has has always been from the start i want to be stronger i want to be faster i want to i want to be able to do more it was never about I want to fit into pants or I want, you know, that wasn't ever sort of the drive for why I wanted to improve. Um, so digging into that research and finding out how much you can actually influence how well somebody performs by what you feed them was just fascinating to me. So when I got to college, I ended up working, I went to the university of Florida and I ended up working for the division of recreational sports just because that's sort of, you know, part of where my interest has always been. I just, I enjoy being around an active community and I needed money because I was in college. <laughs> we yeah. all need money in college. Um, and through a friend that I met, she kind of got me that job and I realized they had on-campus dietitians. And I knew that nutrition was a field that people work in, but the whole idea of becoming a dietitian, what does a dietitian actually do? Like that was kind of beyond my realm at the moment, at the time. Um, and I got to know these dietitians that worked both with the the collegiate athletes on campus, obviously University of Florida, huge football school, soccer school, you know, it's a, it's an a, it's a division A1 school. So it's a huge athletic environment, but also with the average student population, you know, they were there at the student rec centers, they were there in the student health center. And I kind of through that interaction got to see them and what they do every day. And then I took my first nutrition class and it was just, you know, like nutrition 101 or intro to nutrition. And it was a, you know, it was just an elective at the time. And I was hooked and that's, you know, the rest is history, I guess. I just, I started, I switched my major and I took all the classes I needed to take and, and I knew that was the route I was going to go. And luckily your school had all those classes for you to they take. They did, you know, and then trying to find out like, oh, wait, you can only get this didactic program completed right. at certain schools and, you know, good thing here I am and this works. So, um, right. yeah, no, that, that kind of panned out. Um, I did after that decide, because again, I was at school and an opportunity came up, I postponed my internship which my um, professors at the time looked at me like I lost my mind because obviously, you know, if you don't postpone an internship, you take your internship. But I um, was offered a graduate assistant position at UF and they were offering to pay for my master's, <laughs> which, Aww. you know, it was kind of one of those. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to say no to that because you're going to pay for me to do this. So um, I stuck around and I uh, continued to work for Exports. That was my graduate assistantship. I got to oversee the entire staff that ran the um, 
the rec sports division at the university, which was amazing. Um, and I finished that and then went and did my internship immediately after. So I kind of did that backwards, but it was just an opportunity that I couldn't sort of pass up. Pass that up. Yeah. yeah. What a great experience. Oh, it was fabulous. So did you do your internship that at, then at the University of Florida? I did not. I actually did my internship and it is the most random place. And there is a story behind how I ended up there, but I went to Augusta, Georgia and did my internship. Uh, the, the program still exists. It is now part of the Medical College of Georgia, or I think it's actually now called, I don't know, it's called Augusta University. I believe they've changed names. Again, I'm old. It's been a long time. They've changed <laughs> names several times, but it is the uh, main hospital system in Augusta, Georgia that runs the internship program. It's been going on for decades. It's a fabulous program. And my director was wonderful. And I met some, some wonderful women. I think like we all do when we do these programs, I met some wonderful women that are still friends to this day there. That does happen, doesn't yeah. it? It's like really good friends in your end. Because it's such a hard thing to go oh. through anyway. <laughs> yeah. And they just stick with you forever. It's such a bonding experience. You know, like you, you kind of know what you're getting into, but you don't until you're there. And then, yeah. you know, you have your first rota- your first clinical rotation is at the uh, Georgia burn unit. And you go, what, what am I walking? Oh I, what are you walking into? I don't, I don't know what to do. So it was, they were wonderful people and it was a great experience. And I met my husband there actually in Augusta, Georgia, the second day that I had moved there. I hadn't even started my internship. So it just, you did? I did. And it, it was so bizarre because Augusta was my third choice initially. And again, old school paperwork. I did this whole thing on paper before, you know, Mm -hmm. we had online matching. And I remember I was sitting in the parking lot of the post office about to mail, you know, return receipt and registered mail Mm -hmm. and all this stuff, mail my application. Um, And Augusta was my third choice. I had three listed. Orlando was my first. Augusta was my third. And I don't know what made me do it. But Anne, I picked up that paper. I opened the envelope and I took it out and I switched Augusta to my first spot. Um, You know, I have have no idea why. I had told everyone, my mother, everybody, my mother had gone with me to the interviews to check out the town and everything. And I told her, I think I want to do Orlando. I'm going to put that first. And then for whatever reason, I switched it and I put Augusta first. And I got matched to Augusta and met my husband 48 hours after moving into town. That is like destiny. Don't you think? You know, like that's that, yeah, that's what we said. Like that one was yeah. meant to be. And do you know where I met him? I met him at the Starbucks inside a Barnes and Noble. How random is this? Like how random that's is very, that? Very, very random. Yeah. That is so random. Yeah. Oh and my God. His name is Christian. My name is Kirsten. I mean, I don't, I don't know how many more things were meant to just kind of... You know, he was your person. <laughs> he, he was, was your person. He was my person. He still is my person. Even after eight weeks of quarantine, he is. <laughs> that's good. That's good news. <laughs> He's still my person. Not to say that I wouldn't enjoy, you know, maybe an hour of solo trip to Starbucks at this moment. Right. Right. I think you. I think everyone's with you on that one. Yeah. And I say that with Did- love, with all the love. Did you stay in the area then? Was he from that area? Um, he was not. His dad's side of the family actually wasn't. He was passing through, coincidentally. He was living with his uncle for a short period of time. His grandmother, his great-grandmother actually was, um, she was, I don't know, 97 or something. She was, you know, near passing. So he stayed for a while to kind of just spend some time with her. And he was getting ready to leave town a month after I had gotten there. And then he said, well, obviously I'm not going. I'm staying until whenever you go. And then we go wherever we're going together. And that was kind of, you know, the, just that was just the end of that conversation. Um, right. So no, we did not stay after I graduated. I got a job down in, um, Deerfield, Florida, which is uh Southwestern end of Florida, like just North of Miami. And, uh, it was for a company called ediets.com. 
And yeah, I, I remember do that. Do you remember them? Nobody does ever no. if I mention that. I um, mm-hmm. And, you know, they were kind of the pioneers of online meal programming. Um, mm-hmm. And I knew clinical wasn't the route I wanted to go. I was like, if, if that's what I need to do, I'll do that. But, you know, what I mentioned earlier about the whole doctor route versus dietitian, I was just so fascinated by the idea of keeping people healthy before we have to fix them. <laughs> so that yeah. was sort of the route I wanted to go. Um, and, and so much respect for everybody who works in clinical. I just knew that that wasn't the match for me. Um, so eDiets offered me a position as their, uh, I think it was assistant nutrition manager or something. I oversaw all the DTRs who wrote the programs. Um, and it was kind of a great initiation into the commercial side of it, but also the, you know, the tech side of it. Like this is online. How do we present this? How do we make this so people can access it? Um, and at the same time, still there's enough of a clinical and food service component that I was like, okay, I'm using what I did in that internship. I'm dealing with, you know, diabetic meal plans, but I'm doing them on mass scales. And anyway, it was kind of a cool little intro to the profession. And we got to go back to Florida, which was a bonus because beaches and weather and it was lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. How long were you there then? Um, We were in Southwest Florida until 2007. So probably about four years after my internship, three, four, four, about four years after my internship. Um, And we were kind of up and down the coast. I switched positions at some point um, and got into corporate wellness for uh, the largest power utility that's down in Florida and um, worked for them and ran their corporate health promotion program along with, they had a huge corporate fitness component as well. Um, so I worked for a company that ran both of those together and I got to do a lot of my master's degrees in public health with community health intervention as a focus. So I got to utilize that piece of my training um, during that position where I got to sort of create group programming for employees and their, uh, you know, their spouses and their dependents and, and kind of outreach into the, into that corporate community, which was really awesome. It was a, I think it was a, a client pool, if we can call them clients of about 30,000 between the employees and their dependents. Wow. So yeah, so it was a really huge opportunity to kind of affect a large group, um, which was great. And then uh, we stayed there until about 2007 and we got married and we decided that uh, it was probably smart and responsible and the adult thing to do to, you know, buy a house and, <laughs> and talk about oh, kids yeah. and get close to family. So um, my folks were in Charlotte, North Carolina at the time. And um, so we moved up here and that's where we are still. We're still in the Carolinas in a suburb of Charlotte now. And uh, we bought a house and then all of a sudden we had one, two, three kids very quickly. (laughs) And here we are. Well, you've had a busy, you've had a, well, and I think when kind of going back to like your education experience, like the corporate wellness sounds like like a perfect fit for what your background was in. Yes. And so when you think about that climate, because a lot of people, you don't really hear a lot about like that corporate yes. involvement. I Do you feel like it's still present? Do you feel like it's going away? Do you feel like it's growing? How you do know you what? feel about that environment? I think it is still very much present. Unfortunately, I think a lot of it has gotten taken over by the health plans that are in the corporate uh, environment. Um, you know, the health insurance carriers, because they kind of saw it was this niche thing that these health promotion companies were doing, you know, these third party contractors coming in doing this. Um, and they were doing it for the betterment of outcomes for we want the people to feel better. <laughs> and I'm not dissing the health insurance companies, but obviously for them, there's a lot more bottom line dollar attached to it as well. So I feel yeah. like once they saw, you know what, there is actually something to this. 
let us get in on that. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of it got rolled into that larger corporate package of here's our negotiated contract. And also we offer an HSA and also we'll do a health screening and also we'll do this. Um, and I feel like that personal touch of it gets lost a little bit in that shuffle. So yes, I think it's still present. I think the, the picture of what it looks like has probably changed in the, you know, 12, 15 years that since I've been in that environment. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my take on I that. I kind of wonder. Yeah. I kind of wonder just because I knew it was like a big thing, you know, probably mm-hmm. around eight, nine years ago. Yeah. And then it just doesn't seem like as re- like prevalent anymore. Yeah. I really think at this point it's a, you know, checkbox add on to most um, yeah. health plan yeah. rollouts. Like, yep, we provide, you know, Medicaid support and filings. Yes. We provide workers comp. Yes. We provide this. And also we can add on an HSA. <laughs> And, you know, there's that human component of having a designated person on site. Um, I I really feel like that helps because it's still it's and we know this in dietetics, right? Like whether it's telehealth or or you're doing it on person, it is that one on one interaction with a a caregiver, a coach, a cheerleader who is there because they're invested in what you're doing. And I feel like that's missing when you roll it under a corporate umbrella of this is just another brochure that we mail out with the annual enrollment, you know? Yeah, I would agree with that. Is that why? So as you've kind of grown up and got Mm -hmm. married and had kiddos like that, is that when you started to transition into your own business or kind of what? What led to you doing what you do today? My children. I blame them for everything. Um, (laughs) That's great. So when we moved to Charlotte, I actually transferred with the same company I worked for in Florida. And they had, um, because they're a third party that kind of has, you know, clients throughout the country. So I was able to work for a corporation here for a utility here in the the Carolinas as well. And then I had my first kid. And my husband is an IT consultant. So he is pretty much either in a home office or he's traveling. Um, there is no local office. So he was at that time, essentially never home. I mean, he traveled Monday through Friday every week for probably eight years. Um, wow. Maybe that's why our marriage is so strong. Secret to success, never be in the same space. Um, <laughs> I, no, I don't know. But, uh, the point was somebody had to stay home, right? We suddenly had a whole bunch of little kiddos. We had one and then I was pregnant again before that first one was even, you know, a year old. So, um, I, it just didn't work. I couldn't maintain that full-time job and it was stressful. So we said, well, you know what, you can do what you're doing individually from private practice. And that was sort of, I would say that was always the long game for me. Like that was always the goal. I've always enjoyed the idea of, I would like to work for myself and set my hours and have priorities and um, decide what it is that I want to invest in, right? Decide what I want to give my time to because, and as this sounds a little bit cliche, but obviously we all hope to enjoy what we're doing. Right. And I, this way I get to design what I want to do both literally and I get to design the courses or the programs or whatever, but figuratively, and I can, I can fit this into my day. And if my kid has something going on at school that is on a Tuesday at 1130, I can just go because it's, you know, it's my day. Like I just make that time up later. Um, So I was kind of rushed into that unexpectedly because again, many kids and little time. Um, but I sort of started seeing clients on my own. I would say right after my first daughter was born, which was in late 2008. Um, and it didn't turn into a full fledged, my own, this is what I, what I do all day, every day, private practice until about four years ago. 
Um, I kind of took a little hiatus from nutrition in the middle of that because my husband left his corporate world position and started his own um, IT software and consulting firm. And I suddenly became back office for that. I became, I became HR and I became accounts payable and receivable. And, you know, I became the grievances department. <laughs> I became all of that. Um, so we did that for about four years. I helped him build that and he's been very successful with that. So that was a nice little detour. Um, but it really taught me, and this is interesting because I think we all, at least most dietitians I've talked to, we kind of go through this period of trying to figure out, is this like, did I go down the right path? Is this everything I hoped it was going to be? Do I want to continue doing this? You know, every time that recertification cycle comes up, you kind of go through that. Now what? You do. It's a, it's a reevaluation, right? Like we get a, like, is this everything I wanted it to be? Um, but after we kind of did the company thing and I had helped him set that up, it very much reinvigorated my desire to do what I have always loved since Nancy Clark's book when I was, you know, 16 or 17, um, which was to take, cause I, I'm, I'm such a science nerd. Like I just, I, I'm obsessed with understanding how things work on a physiological level. Um, and just knowing that this is something I can directly impact take and impact somebody's daily quality of life, right? Whether it's groups or individuals, like this is tiny bits of information that will literally get somebody to stop worrying about what a stupid number on a stupid piece of metal on the bathroom floor says, or, you know, I can get someone to get out of their head about having to weigh a certain number to reduce their marathon time or crazy things, little things that get so obsessive for people. Um, so I think that process of stepping aside and looking at it from the outside really brought me back to, yep, this is, this is where I want to be. That's what I want to be doing. Kind of like it was meant, again, like another thing in your life that was kind of meant to happen. So then you kind of could focus more in on what your true passion really was. You know, I love how you just put that because sometimes when you're in it, it doesn't look that way. And you're like, I feel like it's roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. But I think looking back and looking at the big picture, you're right. I think there was probably several you know nudges from the universe of go that way <laughs> like turn that way it's yeah. okay yeah so when you think about your your practice what is you know you said that you have so many different ways that you help people what's what's kind of like your your brand look like what kind of clients do you seek out who do you really enjoy working with? yeah um great questions um so my brand is I, I very much and if you're not getting this from from me just running my mouth at you um i like for things to be very much easy and comfortable. Um, I don't, I don't like the lecture style. I don't like the, you must do these things I'm telling you to do. Um, if it doesn't work in the client's life, it is useless information, right? Like I can have all of the right scientific answers, but if they don't fit into what that person actually does and needs on a day-to-day -day basis, then I'm not doing my job and I'm useless. So my brand is very much after that. My brand is after, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to tell you things that aren't scientifically accurate. <laughs> I'm not going to validate your excuses for things, but I am also not going to just tell you, you keep screwing up. There are no answers. I'm going to give you solutions that are attainable and that you can implement and that, you know, whether little or big or whatever, I will be here to guide you on that way. Um, so to say the client that I generally work with, most of them are very motivated. Most of them find me because they have a goal in mind, whether that goal is performance-based. And for some, that goal is weight-based. That is a reality of the society in which we live. Um, and then we usually address that from a pers perspective of let's reframe that, right? So um, let's, let's reframe that 
and get out of the numbers game and reframe that into a you want to get stronger you want to get healthier you want to make it easier for your heart you want to make it easier for your lungs you want to see your grandkids right let's reframe why we're after that um but they come to me because they're they're motivated and they're looking for a solution and those are the folks i love to work with because they want this and it's not something that was a doctor's referral or a you know you're about to have your second heart attack it's time you do something and not that i don't see those folks i do but the my, my favorite people to work with are the ones that have found me because they they have found something that they want to improve and they're motivated to do so and hopefully i can be that bridge to get them to a point where it just clicks and it's not a struggle anymore it's just an understanding of how their body works and then they can take it from there and i'm just here as a background when they need me i love i love that i love your approach i think that's such a realistic way for dietitians all dietitians to kind of take with their clients just because everybody is so different yes. and I think sometimes early on in our career we don't realize no, that but as no. we kind of get some knowledge we're like yeah I gotta slow down my diet my dietitian ways <laughs> yes because you know I think we're all by nature every dietitian I've met like we want to help and I think we mm -hmm. sometimes do it with a bulldozer instead of you know the fine-tooth comb like we just like <laughs> let me give you all the information I have well then everybody could just go get a degree in nutrition right so um right. I think with time and experience and, and all the experts out there in our field will tell you this and we hear this all the time, you gotta whittle down your message to first of all bite-sized pieces, but also to that client that you're actually working with. You can't be everything to everybody. Um, and that took me a, a time to get to as well. I wanted to help everybody. And I, for a while there, I would take every client who came to me, you know, like my, my son is a newly diagnosed type one diabetic. I'm like, sure, I'll see him. And then eventually I'll refer him. And, oh, wow. But that that's not my niche and that's not what I enjoy working with. So, you know, I've had to over time fine tune my approach to that and, and have also found I'm much more effective helping those people who are within my niche of what I like to work with. Uh, it's beneficial for me and for them. And that's the goal, right? Absolutely. And it's okay to pass them on to mm -hmm. another dietitian if you if don't feel like it's your thing. And there's so many wonderful resources, thankfully now, because we are connected, you know, through everything. What would we ever do without the internet now? Um, <laughs> but I can find so many resources for my clients just with a couple of clicks. And I have met wonderful dietitians that way. I've connected with other dietitians because I've referred a client and now we're like, Hey, next time, if you're ever in Charleston, look me up. If you're ever in Charlotte, come look me up. So it's, it's just, sure. I, I think it's a, it's a good way to help people. And at the same time, expand our own network. Now, I like it. So as I mentioned earlier before that I liked your approach on your website about you have classes that yes. people, you know, you have a variety of different things. So tell me more about that and why you kind of went with that platform with along with your your counseling and your individual coaching. Absolutely. So the classes kind of stemmed from uh, I work a lot. I have to backtrack. I work a lot with our local running community. You asked earlier kind of where my clientele comes from. A lot of them come from the local running community because I'm a runner. It's what I enjoy doing. And, you know, there's local shoe stores and all these other groups. They eventually asked me to come and join their running programs that they have. And I noticed I was getting the same types of questions, generalized questions over and over. Things where people were just confused on general approaches to what does a pre-training meal look like? What does a post-training meal look like? What do I actually need to do during my marathon? Those kind of things. And these were general 
nutrition information pieces where it's not specific to an individual, right? It's general guidelines. And Mm -hmm. I was just regurgitating the same information over and over. And I eventually decided, you know what, if I just put this in a class, then you can just look at it. And then I'll add the worksheets for you to personalize it. And then beyond that, if you want to talk about your specific race, that's when we meet for coaching. Because I felt like a lot of the coaching time was spent reviewing general information, which is frustrating for me because I had to regurgitate it, but frustrating also for the client because they want the details for their own race. But it's hard to give them details for their own race when they don't understand the generalized science. So I ended up doing courses and I packaged them and I just, it's, it's similar to me explaining it to them in a one-on-one setting. Just like I said, my, my coaching approach is very casual. My class approach is equally casual. It's, it's me just kind of, you know, like we're talking right now, I'm explaining, I'm kind of going off the cuff and, and talking through the slides that I put together. So they get access to videos, they'll get handouts to help them personalize things And they get a login to my site. They sort of become a member to the site and get their own library of courses that they can access. And there's continuous content being added. I'm working on stuff all the time. I feel like there's always more things on the to be worked on list than the finished and uploaded list. And the finished list. (laughs) I think that's life. You get more and more ideas. Oh, for sure. You get inspired and you're like, I'm going to do this now. Oh gosh. I have like, (laughs) I think I have a list of, of probably 120 prompts of things that I want to turn into content. And every time I'm like, Kirsten, you have to whittle this down. You have to like, let's focus in on the immediate urgency and, you know, and then a pandemic happens and you're like, wait, I got to do something about the pandemic. People are asking this this and this so yeah you know it is what yeah it is. i saw that you had on that on there too that's awesome yes. that you're kind of a debt you're just hubbing and flow, flowing with kind of what the times are and what people need i think that's motherhood that teaches you that <laughs> i thought we were in this stage i guess that's over we're moving on to this one okay got it <laughs> well i think that's a i think that's a great approach and i think like just thinking from an entrepreneurial way like how can you eliminate some of that general stuff that you keep doing over and over and over again with the platform that you have so then you can just get down to the nitty-gritty with people that you need to spend the time with so that's genius streamline you know automate and i have to credit my husband with a lot of that's the it guy in him he was like why are you doing this manually let's automate this process (laughs) so you know i credit him for a lot of that and i will say from a tech perspective he is my go-to he probably is very annoyed because he gets paid not very well at all to be my tech support (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, I'll cook you dinner later. Can you fix this? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good trade. <laughs> you know, I think that's fair. I would cook dinner anyway because nobody wants to eat what he cooks. Let's just be real here. So, <laughs> see exactly. So that totally even trade. <laughs> it is. It really is. <laughs> so, where is kind of the future of your business? What do you? I know that you have your list of 120 things. Is there anything that? you are you kind of looking forward to with your business or kind of what's on the horizon for you yes i actually so uh on the short-term horizon i'm kind of putting together a package because the people love the courses and people love the one-on-one coaching but the one-on-one coaching doesn't give them everything they need and the coach the courses i'm getting feedback that some folks are missing that one-on-one so i'm actually working on i'm hoping to roll it out in june a sort of combined membership program um where they'll get you know 
continuous monthly access to me with continuous one-on-one telehealth meetings, and they get access to the entire library of those courses. Uh, So it's the best of both worlds. They pretty much get access to me completely and to all the content that is on the site and will continue to be posted on the site. So that I'm excited about that. Um, The future, you know what, I have always talked about this and I shouldn't say it out loud because once it's in the universe, you can't take it back. But I have always, (laughs) always wanted to publish um, I actually have two half written books floating around <laughs> that I've never sat down to finish. Wow. I know. And, uh, you know, that's frustrating because you start and they're there and they, you just need to, you just, you just need to finish them. Uh, so that's always been a goal, long-term goal. I'm still hoping that that will happen. I published a couple things in college. I had a professor approach me about, uh, publishing some articles in, and it was an encyclopedia about the nutrition habits of the world or something. I don't even remember the name of the book. But I searched these articles the other day and they're still out in the stratosphere and they have been viewed something like 3.8 million times, these articles that I wrote. Holy moly. You know, that's what I, granted, it's been many, many years. So just time, you know, is part of this, this large number. Um, but I enjoyed when I wrote those and I reread them and I was like, you know, they weren't half terrible. And I, I wrote those and they're out there and 3.8 million people have looked at them. So something, you know, was worthwhile. <laughs> they're, they're still yeah, out. Um, so that's long-term. I think I, I would very much at some point like to publish. I just got to wrap my head around what that message is that I want to get out there. Well, I always say the hardest part is starting. Yes. So you've started two books <laughs> and I think that in itself is a huge accomplishment. So I will definitely look forward to hearing from you when you finish. Well, see, now, now so there's pressure. I've put it out there and now there's pressure. I feel like my, my there's, problem. There's no time pressure. That's true. Good. Okay. <laughs> Nobody knows when you said nobody. This was never said. We didn't put time on it. Um, right. And you know, like, I hear from you in 20 years. I'm totally fine with that. Exactly. It doesn't I'll matter. An autograph copy in 20 years. <laughs> and here's the book. I read Perfect. it. <laughs> that's funny well i'm i'm excited i i thought i just think what you're doing is fantastic and that's another reason why i wanted to reach out to you because i think just you can also just give people a different perspective on how they can run their business how they can start out and get to this point in their business juggle a family do all the things possibly publish a book in the future (laughs) and i think that's a that's a great, great thing to share with everyone. Oh, the children are totally feral, by the way, in this process. Nobody's safe. They're <laughs> <laughs> just running around in neighbors' yards right now. And no, because they're it's like, social oh, distancing. You know, hashtag social distancing. Oh, they're nowhere near the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to ask, I have to end our podcast yes, with my five questions here. Um, so share with me some foods that you enjoy. Yes. Tacos, the end. That is everything. Tacos are life. Tacos are everything. Um, but I'm very specific in my tacos. They have to be corn tortillas, not hard shell, soft shell. It's the only way to go. Um, and I prefer street tacos. Very simple. Put a protein on there, throw some onions, throw some cilantro, squeeze a lime, and I'm good to go. So you yesterday was Cinco de Mayo. So yes, we I had saw that you did have some tacos. We had what, them and tacos. I'm with you on the street tacos. Oh, I'm with best. you on corn tortillas. It's the best. Yeah, Maybe add some totally. street corn to that. I'll have some street corn with that. And like I'm at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm I'm a happy girl. <laughs> You're good to go. I'm good to go. <laughs> some beverages that you enjoy so this is the flip side of this i'm super boring i have been nothing but a water girl probably for i don't know three decades um i drink water morning (laughs) noon and night i'm not a coffee drinker which is surprising i will every so often have if i'm having a coffee it is a skinny vanilla latte from starbucks and that's it um not a 
big beverage drink. Your roots where you met your right? Husband. You know, and he actually <laughs> bought me my very first Starbucks ever. I never had had a Starbucks. Yes, and now he's mad at me for my Starbucks wow. expenses when I do go on a Starbucks kick, and I blame him. So you know. <laughs> That's not my fault. That's his fault. No, it is. <laughs> so water and every so often a Starbucks latte, and that's pretty much it. What kind of scents or smells do you enjoy? This one I had to think about because I'm not a perfumey kind of girl. I'm not big on like, you know, having candles burning and all that. But if I had to pick one, I like anything that smells like baked goods because who doesn't? Um, and on the flip side of that, anything that's really fresh, like lemon, like my favorite, the only one smelly thing that I probably always buy in this house is my kitchen soap at this kitchen sink. And it is from Bath and Body Works and it is kitchen lemon. And if they ever discontinue that, I will boycott. I have, well, that smells amazing. Yeah, I agree with you. It's just fresh and clean. And you feel, you know, you feel clean after you use it. I don't know. <laughs> That's a double bonus. Yes, that helps, right? <laughs> uh, what kind of things do you like listening to when you're working or playing? Yep. So uh, to the, utter embarrassment of my preteen. I actually very much like pop music and I have been known to sing to it while I am playing and while I'm working and she does not enjoy that. I get the eye roll and the stare and mom, you're so embarrassing. Um, and then I do it extra because we have to, because that's in the mom handbook. And uh, I also am a B- I grew up in the eighties. So I love eighties music. I just do. It was just good stuff. It was good. I agree. Uh, and what brings you joy? So this one was actually really easy to answer. And and despite quarantine, the thing that still brings me the most joy is watching my kids. Not when they're trying to kill themselves and others, um, which they're doing in quarantine these days. But in general, you know, when my kids are just like when they don't think anyone's watching and they're just totally being themselves. And the other day I caught this picture. And again, they'll kill me for saying this, but I caught this picture. They were all sitting outside on the deck because I made them have PE time. <laughs> I was like, you have to go outside. Like you, you haven't seen, yeah. you haven't seen daylight and I don't know how many, go outside. So they were sitting outside <laughs> and you know, my son desperately needed a haircut and my older daughter was sitting behind him on the stairs and she was braiding his hair. <laughs> Just like the top of his hair. She was braiding his hair. And my youngest was sitting next to them reading a book. And it was this little tiny little innocent moment. I have it on picture on camera because the rest of quarantine does not look like that. Um, But but little (laughs) moments like that when they are just uninhibited and nobody's trying to prove anything and they're just content. That brings me joy. Um, And personally for me, running is my, that is my escape. That is my go out and just tune out the world. And I take my dog and I put on headphones and I don't listen to music. I listen to audiobooks actually while I run and they have to be very specific. They have to be British detective murder mysteries. That, that is the only thing that's acceptable. Oh my gosh. Wow. Right? It's so it's so bizarre. But I have if you ever need a good book list, I have a very long running list of the best British murder mystery detective novels and it's fabulous. So those are the things oh that bring gosh. me joy. It's odd and I can't explain it. No, I that's that's why I asked that question because I love all the unique answers I get and that is probably one of the most unique ones I've had. I love it. Oh, goody. I don't know if that's a compliment or if I should now be embarrassed and it ask is. you to edit that. <laughs> No, I really, I kind of think I would enjoy British murder. I'm going to send you screenshots of my Audible account now, and you will start listening, and you will I, love it. I listen to audiobooks when I I walk every day yes. too, and so I like to listen to books, and so I I'm totally open to it. I would love to see your. I list. will do that. The thing that's bizarre <laughs> about the murder mysteries is I run early in the morning when it's dark outside, <laughs> listening to books about you know. Oh, like, it's kind of creepy. Yes, all the time, and then I run faster and look behind me and go, "What was that noise? Who was?" <laughs> you know. 
<laughs> it's self-inflicted. <laughs> I have to ask, what are your children's names? Oh, yes. My oldest is Riley. And she is about to turn 12. She's going to be a middle schooler next fall. And that's bizarre. Mm-hmm. And now it's a big step. I'm not ready. Um, my middle is my son. His name is Jackson. And he is about to be 10. And uh, he was actually born on my brother's birthday and my best friend's birthday. Isn't that crazy? Oh, right. Wow, that is crazy. And my youngest is Dylan. She's a girl. And she just had a birthday. She was the one with the cake. We just made her that cake. And she just turned eight. Wow. You are busy. Yes. 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 <laughs> but that's good. I prefer it that way. I don't, I'm not a sit around kind of person. I prefer to have things on the agenda. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I think, I think that's all the best dietitians yes. in the world. We're kind of that way. <laughs> Idle hands are not good for us. We come up with 120 things on a stupid list that we will never get to. How many open tabs? <laughs> too many. That's literally too many open tabs. No one knows where the music's coming from. That is my brain. <laughs> Well, I have absolutely enjoyed our oh, conversation me too. This has been today. Lovely. I will definitely and I will link um, your your website and your information in the show notes. So if anyone's interested in chatting with you, they might reach Wonderful. out. But thanks for thanks for all you do. Oh, thank you for thank you for doing this. You know, showcasing what we do in our profession and kind of giving a voice to the different aspects of what we do as dietitians. I think it's awesome. So thank you for the time. How about that Nancy Clark story and also how she met her husband? I am just always a believer in how things happen in our lives for a reason, including her short break from the profession and how it led to bigger and better things for her. If you get a chance, check out her website, yourfitnessdietitian.com. Her other connections are in the show notes. And I really think her classes that she's doing is such a genius idea. So you might want to check those out too. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.